All right. Well, um, your outline is in the bulletin if you want to follow along with the message. Uh, once again, we're doing a uh, topical message today, so I'll be uh, hitting, uh, highlighting certain passages as we go through this, and uh, they are in your bulletin there. Everything worthwhile in life requires intentionality and sacrifice. I've tried for days to think of something worthwhile that that statement is not true of, and I haven't come up with anything. Everything worthwhile in life requires intentionality and sacrifice. Getting good grades in school, you have to set aside time to study. You have to be intentional about that. You have to sacrifice some things that you might rather do. You have to sacrifice some entertainment. You might even have to occasionally sacrifice some sleep. Taking care of your house requires intentionality and sacrifice. You have to prioritize cleaning and maintenance. You you have to make a point of those things. And you have to sacrifice some other things that you might rather do if you're going to take care of your house. You cannot eat out every single night and go to the movies or else your house will soon be in disrepair and really dirty. If you're going to commit to eat better or exercise regularly, you have to be intentional about it. You have to plan a better menu than normal. You have to go buy some exercise equipment or some running shoes or go join a gym. You have to plan the time to exercise and you have to sacrifice some things. You have to sacrifice the enjoyment of the nightly pizza. You have to sacrifice the giant bowl of ice cream every night right before bed. You have to sacrifice an hour of laying on the couch and replace it with an hour of walking. Succeeding at work requires intentionality and sacrifice. You have to be intentional about getting to work on time. If you notice, that just doesn't happen. You, you have to like plan for that uh, to happen. You, you have to prioritize the most pressing projects at work. Sometimes you have to sacrifice what you think is the best way to do things for the way that your boss thinks is the best way to do things, even though he's a complete idiot. I'm just saying what you might have been thinking. (laughs) You might have to sacrifice uh, occasionally by bringing some work home or staying late uh, at your place of business. Relationships, marriage requires intentionality and sacrifice. You have to be intentional about working through problems together, uh, making time for each other. You, You have to sacrifice your preferences sometimes for the preferences of your spouse. You have to sacrifice uh, living as though you are the center of the universe and start considering the other person's interest. If you think about it, even rest and relaxation require intentionality and sacrifice. Uh, there, There is nothing that I have to work harder to get than rest. And I think many of you are like that. And you have to sacrifice something that you could have been achieving. You know, you lay down on the couch and you're like, oh, this room needs painted. I'll just get up and paint the room. You have to sacrifice getting that room painted so that you can rest. Even rest requires intentionality and sacrifice. 
Everything worthwhile in life requires intentionality and sacrifice. The Christian life requires intentionality and sacrifice. In Mark 8, 34, Jesus let us know that following him is not necessarily an easy thing. If someone told you that when you came to faith in Christ, they did you a disservice. Jesus says that following him is not an easy thing. Following him has to be chosen, and following him requires sacrifice. Here's the way he said it. He said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. There's intentionality in this. You have to choose to deny yourself. You have to take up your cross. You you have to intentionally pick up your cross and follow Jesus. There's sacrifice in this. Denying ourselves is a sacrifice. Being willing to die to ourselves, that's what taking up your cross means. These are sacrificial things. In 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, the apostle Paul let us know that the Christian life requires intentionality and sacrifice. Here's what he wrote. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Intentionality and sacrifice run all through those four verses. Strict training, running with purpose, not aimlessly beating his body into submission. Paul is saying that the Christian life requires discipline just like involvement in athletics require discipline. You know, you don't do well in athletics by meandering. Have you noticed that? Ezekiel Elliott playing for the Dallas Cowboys will not do very well if he meanders once the ball is handed to him. He's got to run with purpose and intention. You can't do athletics very well by never practicing. You can't do athletics well by only giving a modest amount of effort. Athletics requires being uh, all in, which is probably why I never played any. Uh, Athletics requires, uh, I play just not on any teams. They wouldn't have me. But um, athletics require intentionality and sacrifice, and so does the Christian life. Salvation is a free gift, but following Jesus requires denying yourself and picking up your cross. Salvation is a free gift, but the Christian life requires discipline like an athlete, making right decisions, making sacrificial decisions for the cause. Growing in your faith requires intentionality and sacrifice. Salvation is a free gift, but if you're going to grow in your faith, you're going to have to be intentional about reading the Bible. You've got to occasionally sacrifice something else you'd like to do and prioritize getting to know God through his word. Salvation is a free gift, but growing in your faith requires some prayer. You're going to have to choose to do it. 
You're going to have to set aside time to do it. You're going to have to sacrifice some other things, even good things, to pray, to grow in your faith. Salvation is a free gift, but to grow in your faith, you have to intentionally place yourself in a Christian community and be involved in that Christian community, not not treat it as some kind of thing you'll do when it's convenient, but you make it an intentional part of your life. You you sacrifice a self-centered way of living and commit to serving others within the community. Salvation is a free gift, but if you're going to grow in your faith, you're going to have to willingly and purposefully surrender your entire life to God. Your talents are surrendered to God. Your time is surrendered to God. And yes, your money must be surrendered to God. Growing in faith requires intentionality and sacrifice, and the Great Commission requires intentionality and sacrifice. Here's the Great Commission given by Jesus in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Intentionality and sacrifice run all through the Great Commission. Go, baptize, teach. Those are intentional Things They require intentionality and all require sacrifice. Staying is easier than going, isn't it? But somebody has to go. Someone has to sacrifice to go. Evangelism and discipleship are hard work. It would be easier not to bother, which is why most Christians don't. But the fulfillment of the Great Commission requires it. The Christian life requires intentionality and sacrifice. Growing in faith requires intentionality and sacrifice. The Great Commission requires intentionality and sacrifice and fulfilling our 2020 vision that I shared back in February requires intentionality and sacrifice from every member of this local body of believers called Vineyard Christian Church. The vision won't be fulfilled without being intentional about it. And it won't be fulfilled without sacrifice. And here's what everybody needs to know about the 2020 vision. It is motivated by the Great Commission. It is essentially the working out of the Great Commission in our locality. That's what it is. As I shared back in February, there is the vision of our preferred future as a church. And then there are the plans that we commit to in order to work toward the fulfillment of the vision. The vision is the vision, and then the plans encompass the strategy and the effort expended to work to see the vision fulfilled. And in these early months and sharing the 2020 vision, we have gained clarity on the initial plans 
to begin working toward the fulfillment of the vision, the initial plans. The the strategy in these early days of the 2020 vision include making a commitment to evangelism, and it includes preparing our facility to accommodate growth. There, There are more plans and strategies that will be involved in working toward the fulfillment of the 2020 vision, but these are the two that we are giving early attention to. Fulfilling the 2020 vision, fulfilling the Great Commission requires a commitment to evangelism. The Great Commission needs every single Christian committed to sharing their faith. In our context, the fulfillment of the 2020 vision requires every person who is part of this local body of believers to become an inviter and to be committed to regularly sharing your faith. No exceptions. Everyone. Thank you for the amens. They are, they are <laughs> greatly appreciated. Support, thank you. Every Christian is called to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Not just those who are specially gifted at evangelism. Thank you, Adele. (laughs) Few more, then you can stop. (laughs) I want just the exact right amount of amens. Not too few, not too many. The exact right amount. (laughs) Inviting people to church, sharing your faith, requires being intentional. We have to choose to do it. We have to plan to do it. We have to decide how we'll do it. We have to think through what we'll say. We have to give some thought to how we'll share our own story when people give us an opportunity to do that. We have to put some effort into learning to share a basic gospel presentation with people requires being intentional. Anything worthwhile in life does, and there is nothing more worthwhile in all of life than bearing witness to Jesus Christ and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. There is nothing more worthwhile than that. Inviting people to church, sharing your faith, also requires sacrifice. We have to risk rejection. That's a sacrifice. We have to risk awkwardness. It's a sacrifice. We have to put that time in and invest in preparing how we're going to go about this. That's a sacrifice. It it requires us to do that instead of something else. We have to spend time in prayer for those who are lost. That requires sacrificing something else that you might have done during that time. Evangelism, inviting people to church, sharing your faith requires intentionality and sacrifice. And every single member of VCC must be committed to evangelism, must be intentional about it, and must be willing to sacrifice for the cause of Christ. And so here's some things that I'm asking you to begin doing 
if you are a member here. This is not an exhaustive list by any means, but a few things that you can begin doing. Here's the first one. Start inviting people to church now. Well, not the second. That would be pretty easy, wouldn't it? This week, start inviting people to church. Here's the thing, friends. You do not need special training to invite people to church. Christians are notorious for thinking they have to be trained for eight years before they can put an ounce of effort into something. And it's just not true. You don't need any special training to invite people to church. All you have to do is say, "Uh, hey, would you come to church with me sometime? That's it. There's your training. You, You have all completed the training. You are ready. You don't need to pray for four hours to see if God wants you to invite someone to church. He does. Just start inviting them. One of the great stories that came out of Easter, you know, we had, we had talked about the uh, uh, 2020 vision in early February and, and, and we were, you know, encouraging evangelism, encouraging people inviting. And uh, one of my favorite stories is a, a lady uh, came to church on Easter and uh, we were asking her how she, uh, you know, came to be here. And uh, she said, well, I was standing in the checkout line at Kroger And uh, a lady I didn't know turned around to me and said, uh, hey, uh, if you don't go to church anywhere, I would uh, love to have you come to my church on Easter and handed me an invitation card. Those aren't the exact words, but it was something uh, very close to that. Handed her an invitation card. Did not know her, had never had a conversation with her before, uh, turned around in the checkout line and invited her to church and she came And the inviter was Jana Brandon. Good work, Jana. Well, that would never work. You know, you you have to develop a friendship over eight years with someone before you can invite them to church. And, you know, just they never come like that. Well, she came. She came. Complete stranger, turns around. Will you go to church? And they come. Start inviting people to church now. Start sharing things about the church on Facebook. This week I saw a couple ladies post on Facebook about the cupcakes on Sunday. And they expressed appreciation for the no more mom guilt message. These are good things to do. I mean, If you're going to be on Facebook, you might as well do something redemptive while you're there. (laughs) Share things about your church. It is a form of sharing your faith. It's a form of inviting. And we need more people doing that. Post church events that are open to the community on Facebook. Anytime I uh, share ahead of time what I'm going to be preaching on Sunday, if it sounds even remotely interesting to you, you know, share about it. Tell people what's, what's happening. Put a testimonial on Facebook about something nice that somebody in the church does for you. Use Facebook to share your faith with people in a non-threatening way. Simply sharing events and good things that happen within our church. Here's another thing to start doing. Begin to pray for those who are far from God consistently 
and begin praying, make it a regular part of your prayer to ask God to empower you to start sharing your faith, to give you a heart for those who are far from God and to give you a willingness to step out of your comfort zone and share your faith. Pray. Here's another thing you can do. You can sign up for one of the next two evangelism classes that are going to be offered this year. Evangelism class isn't anything uh, revolutionary. In fact, calling it a class is a little bit, uh, you know, on the edge there. Uh, It's more about working through our testimonies with each other. It it is more about uh, giving some effort to learning a simple gospel presentation. And then it's more about just encouraging each other to actually go out and get active and start doing it, holding each other accountable. But commit to one of these. The goal for this year is that 40 people go through the evangelism class. In the first class, we had 11 people. And in the current class, we have seven people, which means we're too short for being on pace for 40. So commit to sign up the next time you see the evangelism class offered. It's likely going to be offered in August, and then it's likely to be offered again in October. And eventually, the goal is that every single member of the church goes through the class. So be a pioneer. Sign up now. Get involved now. Be on the front end of this thing. If this is your church, here's something that you need to know. The expectation going forward is that you are committed to sharing your faith. Inviting people to church. Telling your story. Praying for the lost. That is the expectation. It requires intentionality and sacrifice. Which is what the Christian life calls us to. Which is what Jesus calls us to. Fulfilling the 2020 vision requires a commitment to evangelism. And it requires a facility that will accommodate growth. We're going to talk more about this after lunch today, but just want to mention a few things here today. Insufficient parking, woeful handicap parking, woeful handicap parking, four-foot hallways that everybody has to walk down, restrooms lacking privacy. I greeted about eight people as I came out of the restroom this morning. (laughs) Insufficient space for our teens. Insufficient space for pre-service prayer, newcomers classes. Offices where if anyone is sharing anything sensitive with me, I have to say, shh, shh, don't talk very loud. What'd you say? Don't talk loud. None of these things are conducive to accommodating growth. And so for us to fulfill what we're called to over the next several years, we have to address these issues and we have been working on addressing them. We have a plan for addressing them and that's what everyone is invited to stay and hear about following lunch today. Providing a facility that will accommodate growth is going to require intentionality and sacrifice from each of us. And so today we're going to be showing you the plans. 
And we're going to be asking you to prayerfully consider how you can help make these improvements to our facility a reality by giving financially toward the project. Now, if you're visiting with us today, uh, we're not expecting you to give toward the project. But if this is your church home, uh, we, we are going to be asking you to prayerfully consider how you can make this a reality by giving toward it. Now, I understand that such projects can cause people some discomfort. Some of you may have been through church expansion programs in the past uh, that left a bad taste in your mouth, and I'm, I'm sorry if that's, uh, that's been, been the case for you. I don't believe this one will leave a bad taste in your mouth if, if you'll hear us out and uh, give it a fair shot. And I would also like to point out that it's really the first um, capital campaign that we have ever done as a church. When we built this facility, we did something very simple. We had saved up a bunch of money in the early years of the church, and we took four special offerings. There was no capital campaign. We didn't ask for commitments. It was just, you know, give, and, and, uh, and, and we did it. Um, so this is the first time we've done this. Uh, so, so we have no negative track record to, to hold against us here. And so, and so, you know, give us a fair shot, even if you have had a bad experience in the past. But, but I know it can cause some discomfort for people. I also know for some of you, as you've kind of heard this talked about, you knew it was coming, that you have had a heart to desire to help, but you're somewhat intimidated uh, by thinking about, actually committing to it and, and worrying about that. And there, there could be dozens of reasons why someone might be uncomfortable as we approach addressing our facility needs. Here's what I want to assure you of today uh, as, as we enter into this presentation in a little while. We are not going to be asking anyone to commit to something that you legitimately cannot do. Okay. So if you've ever been a part of a campaign where they told you to take out a second mortgage on your house, sell both your cars and walk to work or any of those kinds of things, we will not be doing any of that. We are not asking you to commit to something that you legitimately cannot do. All we are going to be asking of each and every person that considers this your church home is that you do commit to what you can do by being intentional and sacrificial. Because here's the truth. If we lived in the third world, you might be able to make an argument against investing in bricks and mortar. Honestly, I don't think you could there either, but maybe you could, you could try. In our context, the United States in 2016, you simply can't. In the United States, most people come to Christ through the ministries of a local church, and most people's first experience with a local church is through attendance at a Sunday worship service. And so this means that a facility that has adequate space and makes a good first impression is vitally important in the context in which we live and serve. And because we believe that this is tied to reaching people for Jesus in our context, we are unapologetic about asking you to give toward this cause. But we are not asking you to do something you can't. We are only asking you to do what you can by being intentional and sacrificial. 
This means that we don't have an expectation that anyone's going to be irrational in what they commit to. Or, you know, it requires faith, certainly, but, but it doesn't require that kind of faith that says, oh, well, this makes no sense at all, and I, yeah, I have no idea how this could ever be possible, but I'll give $800,000. <laughs> now, if you have the means to do that, by all means, <laughs> go ahead. But, but it doesn't require anything irrational. It, it, it doesn't. But it also means that for this to happen, we can't simply put our hand down in our jeans pockets and pull out the loose change and say, there you go. Hope that helps. It can't be that either. We're going to need each member to be willing to be intentional to, to look at things. Look at my income, look at my budget, look at my expenses coming up, look at the expenses that are going to go away in the next six months and figure out what is reasonable for you to do. And it's going to require each member being willing to go beyond what is easy. Let me briefly direct your attention to 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19, which has application for both evangelism and expanding our facility. And of course, I've just shared with you that we believe those things are connected together. In these verses, Paul is writing to his understudy, Timothy, and he's giving him advice on leading the congregation that he was entrusted to lead. And here's what he tells them. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. I wish I had time to give a fuller treatment of this passage today, but I do want to highlight a few brief things. First of all, Paul tells Timothy to remind folks not to put their hope in wealth. As we enter into this expansion plan and uh, these expansion plans and this capital campaign, some of you will face the temptation to conclude that if you give over and above your regular giving toward this expansion, you will not have enough for yourself. Be prudent, but don't put your hope in wealth. Some will be tempted to believe that it's only in holding tightly to your wealth or maybe I should say money, because when we think about wealth, most, most, most of us, you know, exempt ourselves from that discussion. So, so might be tempted uh, to hold tightly to your money, believing that in doing that, you will be secure. But the Bible says that money is uncertain. It is a bad thing to put your hope in. Wealth is uncertain, money is uncertain. It is not deserving of your hope. But if you put your hope in God, then Paul says you can have certainty. Isn't this really kind of fundamentally what's going on with, with our regular giving and, and, and tithing? It's an acknowledgement that our hope is in God, not in clinging to every dollar that we earn. 
you know, as I give my 10%, I'm like the rest of you. I think about the things that that could do. But here's what I've found in my life. Somehow when I'm faithful to do that, God allows the 90% to, to do more than I thought it was capable of. It's an, it's an amazing thing. And so in giving, we're, we're always acknowledging that our hope is in God. It's not in clinging to money. And this capital campaign offers the same opportunity. It's the opportunity to recognize that God provides our certainty. God is our certainty, not our money. And here's the truth. Investing in the work of God is never a risky investment. It is the most secure investment that you can ever make. Paul tells Timothy to encourage the folks to be generous. As Christians, we're to be people who are willing to freely give what we have freely been given by God. Supplies to evangelism and applies to expanding our facility. We have freely received God's grace. We are beneficiaries of the gospel. And as such, we are to freely share the gospel with others. We have a responsibility to do so. We are to be generous in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And as Christians, we're to be people who understand that we are simply stewards of God's resources. Our money is not our money. Our money is actually God's money that he entrusts to us to invest according to his wishes and his purposes. And so we are to be people who give generously. And Paul tells Timothy to encourage the congregation to invest in the coming age so that they can take hold of the life that is really life. When we invite someone to church, when we share our faith, when we commit to evangelism, we are investing in the coming age. When we give financially to the work of God in the earth, when we give toward a project like providing a facility that will accommodate the growth of a local church, we are investing in the coming age. These investments in the coming age are secure investments. They have guaranteed returns. Something that does not exist with any investment you make in this present evil age. None of the things that we put our money into other than the work of God yield any secure return. So begin making secure investments. It's when we commit to an intentional and sacrificial way of living commit to investing in the coming age that Paul says we take hold of the life that is truly life. So here's my appeal to each of you today. Embrace intentionality and sacrifice. Everything worthwhile in life requires them. The Christian life requires them. The Great Commission requires them. Intentionally and sacrificially commit to investing in the age to come. Commit to evangelism. Help us provide a facility that will accommodate growth. Invest in secure investments and take hold of the life that is truly life. Now, here in a few minutes, we're going to to have lunch and then we'll come back into the auditorium uh, for a presentation of the building uh, plans. Uh, but, but I want to share a few brief things with you about the building expansion and capital campaign before we break for lunch. First of all, I'll mention to you that there are, uh, and if, they, if there are not, if I failed to do this, uh, Heather, help me out here or 
anybody who can help. Uh, <laughs> there should be capital campaign booklets on the uh, bookshelves on either side of the sound booth. So if those are not there, if someone could get them there, that would be great. And you can pick those up today uh, as you come back into the auditorium for the presentation. Or if you're not able to stay for the presentation, which should not happen, it makes you a very bad person if you can't stay for the presentation. <laughs> but if for some reason you cannot stay for the presentation, uh, you could pick those up on your way out. It was a joke, everybody. It's all right. It's all right. I, I, I wasn't really saying you're a bad person. Uh, so you can pick those up on your way out uh, if you have uh, to leave. Uh, what we are doing is we're looking to fix a number of issues with our current facility. We don't have adequate parking. We're going to fix that. Our common areas, our foyer, are too small. They don't facilitate fellowship. We're going to fix that. The four-foot hallway that everyone has to go through to get in and out of the auditorium is not good, especially not from a visitor's perspective, so we're going to fix that. Uh, the restrooms are insufficient. They have a woeful lack of privacy. I'm so tired of seeing feet that I didn't intend to see under the uh, stall walls. Uh, <laughs> That was really funny. <laughs> Sad, too. <laughs> uh, we lack appropriate space for our teens and middle schoolers. We lack space for events like newcomers' classes and pre-service prayer. We're going to fix these things and a few more things. Um, and we're going to fix them if, if we are able to uh, get the support that we need to, to do what we're planning to do. Now, we have had excellent teams of people that have been serving for several months now, coming up with building plans and then uh, working toward the introduction of our capital uh, campaign. And when we get to the presentation, I'm going to introduce those people to you, let you know who they are. And so, what we're asking is that everyone who considers this your church home commit to making this uh, facility expansion a reality. And so between now and June 5th, there will be commitment cards and commitment envelopes around the building. We can receive your pledge at any time, but we are asking folks to commit uh, no later than June 5th, which we are calling Commitment Sunday. We are asking everyone to give something. Whatever you can give by being intentional and sacrificial. If that means you're able to give a large gift, wonderful. If that means your gift is a small gift, that's fine too. All gifts matter. They all add up toward helping us achieve the goal. We are simply asking people to do what you can. And here's what we believe. We believe that if you have income, you can do something. You can do something. And so we're asking you to. We're asking you to be intentional. We're asking you to be sacrificial. Do what you can. Gifts of all sizes are important. And I want to let you know that we are off to a really great start. We've had some preview presentations over the past few weeks. If you're a member here, you should have received an invitation to one of those. If you did not, number one, I apologize. Number two, it probably means that we need an updated email address from you. Uh, or it might mean that you never actually became a member. 
Uh, but, but you should have if you were a member. And so I apologize, if you're a member, I apologize if you didn't. Um, and if you didn't, get us your updated information. But a number of people did attend uh, the preview presentations. And a number of those people have already made commitments to this project. And so I wanted to let you know what a good start we are off to. Of those who have already seen the presentation, we have received uh, approximately $350,000 in commitments. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Now, our goal is 800,000. We've received 350,000, nearing half the goal. And here's part of what's so exciting about it. We have received that from what amounts to less than 20% of the congregation. Amen. Isn't that amazing? That's great. So we're on pace for 2.1 million instead of 800,000. I'm contacting the architect to begin working on larger plans. This is achievable for our congregation. It really is. It is achievable if we will just be intentional and sacrificial. And so I appeal to each and every one of you to be willing to do that. Invest in the coming age the most secure investment that you can ever make. I hope that you'll join us for the presentation after lunch. I hope you'll join us for lunch. And I hope you'll commit to intentionality and sacrifice in both giving toward this expansion and in evangelism. Why don't you stand up?